The Guardian. Questions to the Prime Minister, Shelley Vara. Number one, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, before listing my engagements, I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in sending our profound condolences to the family and friends of Trooper Ratusaka Azi Bambu Kumbau of the Household Cavalry Regiment, who was killed in Afghanistan on Friday. We owe him and all others who have lost their lives a great debt of gratitude. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further meetings later today. As the right honourable gentleman is the only person in the House with experience of unseating a sitting Prime Minister, what is his own estimate as to how long he's got? (laughs) Mr Speaker, once again, the big policy questions of substance... I'll I'll tell the Honourable honourable Gentleman what this Government has done under two Prime Ministers. We've created the highest employment in history. We've cut child poverty and pensioner poverty. We've doubled investment in health and social services. We've got the best educational results in our history. And none of that would have happened under a Conservative Government. Lynn Brown. Over 5,000 of my constituents in Newham are living in substandard temporary accommodation, (laughs) paying over £1,000 per calendar month in rent. This is clearly unaffordable for those who are living on low incomes and it traps families in benefits dependency. Will my right honourable friend confirm his commitment to building 15,000 affordable new homes in London per year? and review the benefit system to incentivise work. Yes, yes, we will. And we've made available money for 70,000 new affordable homes, including 45,000 new social homes, and that is a 50% increase. And half of these will be delivered in London. And I welcome the new Mayor of London to the House and say to him, and say, and to say to him I hope he will continue the record of his predecessor in social housing and creating affordable housing. David Cameron. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Trooper Ratu Bambakombao, who was killed in Afghanistan on Friday? And the whole House will want to send our condolences to everyone caught up in the Burmese cyclone, and the Prime Minister knows he will have the full support of the opposition benches in any action needed for the aid and assistance that clearly will be necessary. Can I also join the Prime Minister in congratulating my honourable friend, the Member for Henley, on his magnificent victory? I, I'm sure the Prime Minister has always secretly wanted to see the back of Ken Livingstone, and uh, I'm sure he will have a fruitful uh, relationship with my honourable friend. Indeed. <laughs> Following Thursday's elections, the Prime Minister said. The Prime Minister said he would listen and lead, so let me start with an issue of leadership. Labour's leader in Scotland, Wendy Alexander, says there should be a referendum now on Scottish independence. Does he agree with her? That's not what she has said. Mr Speaker, the Conservative Party, the Liberal Party and the Labour Party have joined together in setting up the Kalman Review, the Commission on Devolution. I hope that we can see progress in that commission and we will review the progress before making any further decisions. And I thought that was the policy of the Conservative Party who supported the commission. 
I think the Prime Minister is losing touch with reality. This is what Wendy Alexander said. I don't fear the verdict of the Scottish people, she told BBC Scotland on Sunday. Bring it on. What else could that possibly mean? So can I ask him again? Does he agree with Wendy Alexander or not? It's not much leadership if no one's really following him. <laughs> Mr. Mr Speaker, the Kalman, the Kalman Commission has been set up to review the progress of devolution. I believe, I believe that all parties in the House will welcome the fact that it is looking at all these issues. When we review the progress of the Kalman Commission, we can make further decisions. What the leader of the Labour Party in Scotland was pointing to was the hollowness was the hollowness of the Scottish National Party that said they wanted independence, said they wanted it immediately, and now wanted to postpone a referendum till 2010 and 11. And that's what she was pointing out, and she was making it clear that what the Scottish National Party was doing was against their election manifesto. Mr Speaker, the, the one thing I think people thought about this Prime Minister is he was quite a good political, he was quite a good political fixer. And he's now lost control of the Scottish Labour Party. So, no leadership on the Union. Let's, let's turn to listening. People want to know if this is a genuine listening exercise or just another relaunch. In London, where we now have a Conservative mayor, one of the, one of the biggest issues at the election was crime. Under this government's early release scheme, nearly 24,000 prisoners have been released early from prison. The last Prime Minister who introduced this scheme almost a year ago described it, and as I quote, and, and I quote as very temporary. So if the current Prime Minister is serious about listening to people, will he now scrap it? Mr Speaker, we are building up the number of prison places. We've made an announcement about the new prison places we're going to create this year and in the next few years. And when we have built up the number of prison places, uh, from the 60,000 we inherited, now 80,000, to 82,000 and then 86,000, we will make our decisions on the right, the right thing to do about early release. But it is important to have a situation where we have built enough prison places, and that's what we're going to do. Again, I thought he supported us on the building of prison places, and so he should. So that's a no then, no action to stop the early release of prisoners. Every week more prisoners are going to be released under his early release scheme. He's not going to listen to people when it comes to crime. Now, up and down the country, people told the government in the clearest possible terms that they wanted to keep their local post office. The former Home Secretary, the Right Honourable Member for Norwich South, they should listen to the former Home Secretary, he's always got something helpful to say. <laughs> And he said this, the current review is over-bureaucratic and should be suspended. So will the Prime Minister listen to people and halt the closure programme for the post offices? Speaker, once again, he's proposing to spend money he doesn't have. He knows, he knows perfectly well that we are putting £1.7 billion into post offices. That is to keep as many post offices open as possible. We've just published, the, the, the London uh, results of the review have just been published and saved some of the post offices in London. But the fact of the matter is, he has no money to be able to keep further post offices open and he should stop misleading the electorate about what he can and can't do. So that's another no then. He's not listening to people on the post office. When it comes to the post offices, when it comes to releasing criminals, when it comes to taxing the low paid, people will just conclude this whole listening exercise is just empty words. Seven months ago, seven months ago, the Prime Minister called off the general election and said he wanted more time to set out his vision. Since then, We've had nearly 130 white and green papers. We've had 34 government bills. We've had 7,457 government press releases. If he had a coherent vision, wouldn't people have heard it by now? 
Shouldn't everyone conclude that we've got a government that just lurches from one relaunch to another? And shouldn't they conclude that what's missing is what's really needed? And that is a clear vision and some strong leadership for Britain. Mr Speaker, the choice in this country is between a government that has created jobs, stability, growth and public services and a Conservative Party that has got absolutely nothing to offer the people of this country. And Mr Speaker, when, when, I looked, when I looked at what the Conservative promises are, 10 billion of tax cuts, a black hole in public spending, risk to the economy, back to the situation we had in the early 90s, and no amount of slick salesmanship can obscure the fact that there is no substance in everything the Conservatives say. People expressed their view on the choice last week. The Prime Minister talks about salesmanship. We all know his brilliant salesmanship. This is the man that sold gold at the bottom of the market. That's the problem with the Prime Minister. He's got nothing to sell and he's useless at selling it. And while we're at it, I've got a bit more advice for him. This is the Prime Minister who went on American Idol with more makeup on than Barbara Cartland. This is the the Prime Minister who sits in in number 10 Downing Street. He sits, he sits in number 10 Downing Street, wondering... Order, order. Leader of the opposition. He sits in... Oh, uh. hold on. He sits in number 10 Downing Street, waiting for Shakira to call, waiting for George Clooney to come to tea. I got a bit of advice from him. Why doesn't he give up the PR and start being a PM? This, this is the man who tries to lecture us on presentation. This is a man who tries to lecture us on style. Because, Mr Speaker, there is no substance in any of his questions. And, Mr Speaker, the choice is between a government that has raised the minimum wage and a Conservative Party that opposed the minimum wage. The choice is between a government that has taken a million children out of poverty and the Conservative Party that trebled poverty. And no amount of presentation from the Conservative Party can obscure the vital questions that the choice in this country is between a Labour government that delivers and a Conservative Party that just talks. During the 80s and early 90s, many families in Portsmouth had to cope with sky-high interest rates, rampant inflation and little likelihood of finding work. Since then, sustained investment in jobs and training has led to the highest employment levels ever. Does my right honourable friend agree this is a prime example of fixing the roof while the sun shines? Mr Speaker, there are more people in employment in this country than at any time in our history. There are more vacancies for jobs, and we have cut unemployment to its lowest level since 1975. And that could not have happened if we'd followed the policies of the Conservative Party. And more than that, there are 1.8 million more homeowners in this country, and that could have not happened if we'd had the 15% interest rates that we had under the Conservatives. Order. Nick Clegg. expressions of sympathy and condolence to the family and friends of Trooper Ratu, Ratu Bambakumbo and also I speak, I'm sure I speak on behalf of all members of the House when I extend uh, our expressions of sympathy and condolence to the family and friends of Ray Mickey, the former uh, member for Argyle and Butte who sadly passed away just last night. Uh, Mr Speaker, does the Prime Minister understand the threat from his right honourable friend, the member for Norwich South, 
when he said that the doubling of the 10p tax rate will, I quote, resonate until there is clarity. When will we get concrete proposals to compensate all of those who have been hit? Mr Mr. Speaker, can I add to the condolences he sent to the family of uh, Ray Meekie, who was a very distinguished uh, member of this this House. Uh, Can I say to him about the 10p rate? His party are not proposing the restoration of the 10p rate. Not at all. And let, let, let us also say the Chancellor has put his letter to the Treasury Select Committee and outlined the steps that he is taking to deal with the two groups that were missed out, that is the 60 to 64 year olds and those people who are on low incomes that cannot claim the working tax credit. And he will put forward his proposals in due course. And I would have thought the Liberal Party would be prepared to wait until he put his proposals. Good enough. This is a matter of this is a, this is a matter of principle. This is a matter of principle. Remember those? I think everybody now knows that when it comes to helping the most needy, he has got no principles and the Tories have got no policies. Will he now, will he now provide an absolute guarantee that those who have lost out will be compensated in full, backdated to the beginning of April, and will not have to jump through hoops to claim what is rightfully theirs? The, the Chancellor will put his proposals, but the Liberal Party opposed the New Deal, which has helped two million people get into work. The Liberal Party wanted a local minimum wage, not a national minimum wage. And the Liberal Party has opposed our child tax credits and our child trust fund. That is not a record they should be proud of. Mr Speaker, could I have my condolences to the family of the servicemen killed in Afghanistan on Friday? My right honourable friend is aware that the fight against crime is ongoing and that the police should have confidence that when they bring forward proposals to improve the way that we tackle violent crime and terrorism, that policymakers will give those proposals serious consideration. <coughs> what does my right honourable friend have to say to those members of this House who claim to be on the side of the police but don't back that up when it comes to votes in this House when we bring forward measures to bring a national database on DNA and to impose mandatory sentences for rapists and those who carry guns and knives? Is, is absolutely right. We have proposed, proposed tougher sentences for murder, sexual and violent offences and for persistent offenders, Independent, indeterminate sentences for anyone who committed a serious sexual or violent crime, five-year minimal custodial sentences for unauthorised possession of firearms, and all these proposals were opposed by the Conservative Party. Michael Mitz. Does the Prime Minister recall agreeing with me when I suggested to him a month or two ago that the House was going to need a much better and fuller explanation as to why the increase in time is being sought by the government for holding people in detention without charge. When is he going to give us this explanation? Wouldn't it be a good time to do so now? That is what the debate at the moment is about, and I have appealed. I have appealed to members of this House to look at this matter so that we can find a consensus. And I've said that the Civil Contingencies Act, which some people wish to use for this purpose, would mean that you would go beyond 28 days but have to declare a state of emergency to do so. So there are many people in this House who would be prepared uh, to have a period of more than 28 days, uh, but to do so we would have to declare a state of emergency. I'm proposing, and the Government is proposing, that we give a power to the House that the Home Secretary, with the Director of Public Prosecutions and the Head of the Metropolitan Police, would have to come to this House with an order, and the House would have to vote a second time as to whether they approved the action so that someone was detained before they were charged for more than 28 days. 
And I believe that the safeguards that we put in place, and these are safeguards that protect the citizen against arbitrary treatment, that include uh, the action of a judge every seven days to review the, uh, to review the detention, include also a report by the independent reviewer, and include the Home Secretary having to come to the House and a final report being made on how the procedure had been adopted. These are the protections for civil liberties that people have asked for. But I have to take the advice of other people who tell me that it is important that we have a precautionary power in place so that if, it is, if there is a multiple incident, then we can go beyond 20, 28 days with the approval of the House. I have looked at terrorist incidents over the last few years, uh, Mr. Mr. Speaker, and I've looked at the sophistication of terrorists who are using multiple passports, who are using multiple telephone numbers, multiple emailing facilities. If we had a plot involving a number of people, we would need more than 28 days to review all the evidence. And I believe that most sensible people in this, his House, as well as most members of the general public, support that position, and I hope the House votes for it. Mr Speaker, in my constituency of Bury North today, there is a job... Well, Mr Speaker, in Bury we now have the only Tory leader in the country that has been subject to a police investigation into fiddling pensioners' postal votes. In my constituency of Bury North today, there is a job for almost everyone able and willing to work. But the Prime Minister will know that there is severe economic pressure on many working families, particularly those on low incomes. What can he do to assist in the short term through relieving the pressure on taxes and prices and in a long term by investing in the skills of our young people to maintain full employment in Bury North? Mr Speaker, he's absolutely right. We, we wish the strength of our economy to withstand what is the, the economic downturn that is happening worldwide. And we will do everything in our power, working with other countries, as well as action we take on our own, so that we can withstand these uh, problems. Uh, we will, in the next few weeks, be looking at what more we can do to help the housing market and to help the construction industry as a result of that. We will look at what we can do to help first-time buyers who are in a difficult position because of the rise in mortgage rates being charged by building societies. We will look at how we are helping uh, those people who are subject to high utility bills. And on employment, we will work with small business and medium-sized businesses to ensure that they have the funds to invest for the future. So in every area, we will look at what we can do to help Britain withstand a problem that is hitting America and the rest of Europe. And I believe the strength of the British economy will withstand the problems that we face. Phil Polibond, question number five. Mr Speaker, it is vitally important that all departments and their agencies work closely together to deliver the homes needed in Kettering and elsewhere. It is precisely because we need to ensure that new housing is not built in isolation, but it is delivered with transport, infrastructure, utilities and public services, that we have allocated over the next three years $1.7 for infrastructure in growth areas and new growth points. Northamptonshire has received £59 million. And since 2003, the Government has allocated in total over £250 million to Northamptonshire, made up of various growth area community infrastructure and transport funds. This has been possible because we have been able to expand public spending. Mr Speaker, local residents uh, would like a meeting with the, with the Prime Minister 
so that he can explain to my constituents why the government's plans to increase the number of houses locally by one third by 2021, on the one hand, is being matched by cuts in the train service and restrictions on the use of the local road network on the other. Will the Prime Minister please agree to a meeting? Mm. Mr Speaker, I can just say to him that £1.7 billion has been allocated for infrastructure and Northamptonshire alone has received £250 million. I, of course, will look at what he says, but he has got to agree with me that no government has spent more on public services and public infrastructure than we have, and his county has benefited as a result of that. Mark Henricks. Mr Speaker, would my right honourable friend join me in congratulating Lancashire Police on the excellent work they've done over the last 18 months in closing down cannabis factories across Preston, and would he continue to campaign against the use of cannabis, particularly given the effects on health and obviously the social problems it causes, but obviously because there are new forms of cannabis, such as skunk, which are far more dangerous and much stronger than previous forms, and particularly because it's causing so many problems with crime. Uh, Mr Speaker, I'm grateful for the work that is done by the police authority and the police in in his area. The Home Secretary will be making a statement uh, on this uh, matter uh, just after question time, but I think it is generally agreed uh, that the the quantity and also the uh, type of cannabis that is being sold in the streets of our cities, and equally the threat that is there for the mental health of many of the people using that, uh, makes it necessary that we look at this matter again. Uh, and I believe that uh, the recommendations that the Home Secretary will put forward will not only be in line with what the public wants to see, but also what the police wants to see. And I believe the House will be pleased that she is also taking new measures for enforcement uh, that will be welcome, I think, in all parts of the country. Speaker, Mr Ken Livingston, the outgoing uh, Mayor of London, has said... He's gone, of course, yes. The uh, sadly gone Mayor of London has just... Um, <laughs> Has said that he's has said that he sorry Boris has said that he's has said that he's looking forward to doing a spot of gardening and taking his children to school. What is the Prime Minister looking forward to when he leaves office? Mr. Mr. Speaker, I'm looking forward to building a stronger economy in Britain. I'm looking forward to creating more jobs in our country. I'm looking forward to building a better health service, and I know we'll get no help from the Welsh Nationalist Party, but we will go ahead and do it for Wales as well. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, May I tell the uh, Prime Minister that uh, last week the Wolverhampton Trades Council uh, organised a May Day celebration which attracted over a thousand trade unionists who paid tribute to their fellow workers, dock workers in South Africa, who refused to handle arms to Zimbabwe, a very principled stand. Can I ask the Prime Minister to give his support uh, to that action and to recognise that where trade unionists act to intervene on international business for humanitarian aims, they are to be supported, even though sometimes their governments look a little tardy. Mr Speaker, I have uh, given support uh, to those uh, South African uh, workers who stopped an arms shipment coming from China that would have gone to Zimbabwe. And at the same time, we have been calling at the United Nations for an arms embargo to prevent other arms and armaments getting into the country of Zimbabwe at this uh, time. This is a very uh, critical time uh, for for Zimbabwe, and I think it's important that uh, we recognise that uh, the African Union and SAC and all those who have an interest in the future of Zimbabwe 
uh, put uh, pressure so that any elections that take place uh, in Zimbabwe are free and fair, monitored by the whole international community to be seen as free and fair, so that justice is done in securing for the Zimbabwean people their democratic rights. Colin Breed. Mr Speaker, does the Prime Minister understand that unless his government tackles the scourge of bovine TB soon, there will be little or no livestock industry left in the southwest of England? Well, he's absolutely right that we've got to deal with the disease, but that must be based on the scientific evidence that is available to us, and that is exactly what the Secretary of State for Environment is looking at. John Simon. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Do, do, do people want to see the, the right to see their doctors in the evenings and at the weekends, or are the Tories right to scrap that right to choice and turn the clock back? Mr Speaker, the, the, the vast majority of uh, British people want more access to the GPs in the evenings at weekend. And the vast majority of British people welcome the vote by the British Medical Association that they will give an extra three hours of medical services, either on an evening or at weekends, in half the areas of the United Kingdom. And I am pleased that that service is now starting. That's why it's surprising that the Conservative health spokesman in Pulse magazine on the 20th, 29th of April has said, has, said, has said that he wants to restore to GPs the power to make this decision and presumably also the power to GPs to block the extension of primary care to new providers. I don't believe the Conservative Party are acting in the interest of the National Health Service, and that is what is the tradition of the Conservative Party. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Last weekend, the Prime Minister claimed to share people's pain at the rising cost of living. So can he tell the House how much it costs to fill up a family car in his constituency, and when exactly he last had to do it himself? Mr Speaker, the cost of petrol has gone up as a result of what's happening around the world. A barrel of oil is now $110. A litre of petrol... Allow the Prime Minister to speak. Allow him to speak. The Prime Minister. Order. A litre of petrol is now £1.10 in many places. And it is rising in some other places. The, imp the important thing is that we have postponed the fuel duty increase and we are doing what we can to work with OPEC to get the price of oil down. I think he would agree with me that in every part of the world, when oil prices rise, it hits households and it hits uh, motorists, and we're doing everything in our power to get the price of oil down. Andrew Desmond. So, tomorrow, Israel will celebrate the 60th anniversary of her independence. Will my right honourable friend join me in congratulating the Israeli people on this important anniversary of their vibrant democracy and economic achievement, particularly in the high-tech industry? And will you assure Israel of the UK's continued support and friendship into the future? I wish to add my congratulations uh, to the State of Israel on the 60th anniversary. And Israel has come a long way in those uh, 60 years. And I look forward uh, to being present at the Finchley United Synagogue with the Chief Rabbi this evening to celebrate 60 years. Uh, Israel's future is as part of a secure Middle East and it must remain optimistic that this can be achieved and we will work with people of both sides to secure a settlement, a two-state solution with a viable Palestine alongside a secure Israel and I believe that is the best guarantee of the future of Israel in the next 60 years to come. Thank you Mr Speaker. Uh, a populist poll out today of Labour supporters has said that the Prime Minister should step aside for a younger, fresher, 
and more charismatic leader. I suspect a few of his colleagues were uh, on the receiving end of those calls. Does he not understand the anger of people about his crippling tax increases, which have hit the poorest in this country? And he's got two proposed tax increases uh, for those motorists, those with family cars, a £400 vehicle excise duty, and a proposed 2p increase on fuel in the autumn. Will he now ditch those proposed tax increases before his colleagues ditch him? Mr Speaker, it is right right that households are suffering as a result of what has been happening in a world downturn. And it is right that fuel prices have gone up and it is unacceptable that so many people have lost out as a result of that. That's why we have postponed the fuel duty rise. That's why we've increased the winter allowance by £50. That's why we've negotiated with the utility companies a deal that £100 million next year will go to help low-income households in this country. And I have to say to him that none of that happened under a Conservative government when people were suffering. Last week, uh, Nestle opened a brand new £15 million chocolate factory in my constituency. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that that's a vote of confidence by a foreign multinational company in the British economy and in the city of York? And would the Prime Minister come to York or ask his Secretary of State for business to come to York to see the fundamental strength of the British economy? I I congratulate the companies in his constituency that are expanding and the fact that long-term unemployment in his constituency is down by more than 80%. The reality is that while unemployment is rising in other countries, employment is rising in Britain. And that is because of the fundamental strength of the British economy, something that I believe that all people who look at that will accept. And we will continue to create more jobs in this country. James Gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr Speaker, does the Prime Minister ever wonder why on earth he took the job? <laughs> I took the job for the reason I gave in my answer to the last question, to create jobs for people, to create better public services, to tackle poverty and to make Britain a better place. And isn't it remarkable that not one question coming from the Tory backbenchers is about the substance of policy. They cannot face up to the big policy questions facing this nation. Linda Gilroy. Linda Gilroy. to affordable housing in answers to colleagues, but can he tell the House more about what he is doing to ensure that those who are struggling to pay their mortgages have the leeway uh, with which to manage their budgets? He's absolutely right. We we are in discussions with the Council for Mortgage Lenders to enable mortgage lenders uh, uh, to get a better deal when they're faced with difficulties in paying the mortgage bills. And at the same time, we put forward proposals for a shared equity scheme, which will allow more people to buy a percentage of the house, even if they're not in a position to buy all the house as a result of changes in the rates that are being charged for mortgages. And we will do everything we can to help young home buyers get on the first rung of the housing ladder. For more discussion and analysis, download Guardian Daily. That's The Guardian's news podcast, available first thing in the morning, Monday to Friday. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.